Hello, welcome to episode 146 of Riot Act. It's the Alternative Music Podcast. It's me, Stephen Hill. It's him, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Stephen Hill. How, How are you? Doing? I'm, um, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I'm all right. I'd like to let listeners know that I've already been shouted at uh, by Stephen this morning. It's only um, 20 to 11. and uh, Well, we were supposed to start at 10, weren't we? So that's why you got shouted at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I was yeah. making a coffee. It does not take 40 <laughs> minutes to make a coffee. We've been having a discussion for the last 15 minutes. Yeah, all right. Well, it doesn't take 25 minutes, minutes to make a coffee. Oh, it takes 25 does minutes it? to make my kind of coffee. Mm. What do you mean your kind of coffee? Like a good coffee. Mm. It doesn't take 25 <laughs> minutes to make any coffee. There's a fucking coffee shop down in my, in my village, right? And I shit you not. Like I, They have like three people working behind the thing. And I'll go in on my own. It'll still take me 15 minutes to get my coffee. I'm like, what are you doing? I miss London, man. I miss walking into a Starbucks and saying latte and then having it handed to me before the tay of latte has come out of my mouth. That's good. I tell you what. This village, they don't give a fuck. They're just like, oh, what have you been doing? Look at the nice sign we bought. Like, fucking give me my coffee. I don't want to talk to you. There's a new coffee place which has opened up literally, oh God, uh, something about 10 steps from my new my new place mm-hmm. and at the moment they're selling coffee half price but not only that they also do like oreo milkshakes and maltesers oh. milkshakes and and i'm just gonna i'm gonna dangerous for you isn't quadruple it? in size yeah and they're all half price at the moment because they've only just opened so so you can get a malteser one and an oreo one for the price of just one yeah for three pound fifty that's quite good I tell you what my uh <laughs> My mum couldn't I believe you'd be the more price of coffee. About that. Sorry, no, no, well, what, what's for me to get excited about? I still got what, half an hour well, for my might, full price latte. Well, you might come down from time to time, and we can have a Maltese shake together. It'd be not, nice. Not, not coming around. Come. Else. <laughs> 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 not during a pandemic. I'm not coming up for a milkshake to get half by for milkshake and hang around with you. I've been double jabbed, <laughs> mate. Did I tell you I had my jab on Tuesday? The other jab. You didn't tell me that. Oh, how was that? It was great. No symptoms, because I'm oh, really? a super strong boy. Yep. Not, not even a slightly sore arm. You know what? This this second one, it didn't even feel like they did it. I'm a little bit worried that they've not done it. I think I'm a little bit worried that he's just sort of pretended he was doing it, but he, he didn't, because I didn't feel anything at all. Oh. I've got a bruise. Look at that. Look at that bruise. I mean, this is this is not good podcast content. I can Look tell I can tell listeners that there is a, a type of middling size bruise <laughs> yeah it's not a massive bruise but look how per- that's but that's from a that's from a, a jab no surely they didn't they, it is uh, but that's below uh, that's below your elbow they don't jab they, it there i took took blood ah. and i've never had it come up you like hero really you fucking hero thank you very much <laughs> thank you very much anyway we get i was gonna show? say my mum get used Sorry, to yeah. get and you'd be like one pound fifty for a coffee and she couldn't believe it Go up to London, go to like the National Theatre for a coffee, and they'd be like, "That's two pound twenty for a coffee." Mm. She'd be like, two pound, two pound twenty. Old people cannot believe. Like, imagine being eighty and getting a Starbucks, and they're like, "That's six pound." You'd be like, "What?" They can't I, believe it. To be old fair, people can't believe the price of coffee. It might, I mean, in their day, it was like what thrap and sixpence or yeah. however that version we of money was. Coffee, you had a cup of tea, didn't you? It's a tea bag, just hot yeah. water, yeah, or even some leaves. <laughs> Yes. My nan used to have leaves and they couldn't believe or oh, they wouldn't be able to believe it. A dr- just a coffee, four pounds. Leaves no. and those weird tea strainer things. I don't yeah, know how I feel about those. Yeah, yeah. I don't like drinking actual tea leaves in the bottom of my tea. No. Disgusting. 
This is actually a music podcast. <laughs> Not going to lie. So let's get on with that, I suppose. Uh, on the show this week, we're going to be reviewing new music from Black Midi, Perturbator, Noctule and Mannequin Pussy. Uh, we also want to say, why don't you, as a fan of the show, which is what I hope you are, especially with that great coffee and tea-based content that we've just given you. Why don't you go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, which is our Patreon page where you can pay any amount of money, any little amount you like, and you will be able to suggest an album for us to do on the Riot Ears review. Uh, we put one up about the Hotelier this week, mm. didn't we, Renfrey? Yes, we which did. was a bit of a non-event, really. But, um, <laughs> I uh, like but the we did Hotelier. It. <laughs> so. I quite like the Hotelier. I was just like, yeah, this is totally fine. Um, but you know, great. decent enough record. Great selling of the page in there. Well done. <laughs> well, I'm about to sell it quite well now because if you get onto the five pound tier, two classic albums a month. We just put one out a week late because Renfrew's moving house. Um, as I don't think he's mentioned it before, so I thought I'd just no, throw that in there. No. Uh, you get two classic albums. Just had the Mars Volta, D. Louse and the Crematorium go up this week a little bit late. Apologies for that. We are going to try and get back on track this week, and we'll be doing that by giving you a special death metal extravaganza on morbid angels uh altars of madness mm-hmm. renfrey mm-hmm. which we were just talking about um morbid angel a little bit before we started recording i'm mm. quite looking forward to doing this yeah i think it should be interesting it's sort of the first time that we've properly dipped into the worlds of extreme metal fully isn't it yeah if you don't count opeth and Meshuga, then yes and I, which, and I don't. which which you which you don't so yeah there yeah. we go yeah um yeah i think it's um I mean, Meshuggah are bad it... for pussies, aren't they? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But Meshuggah take elements of a lots of other things that don't really have anything to do with extreme metal. I was, I was jesting. Yes, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You happy? Just you're just because you're a pussy and you can't <laughs> and you think everything's extreme metal. Just you think you yeah. think Muse are a black metal band. <laughs> <laughs> always Muse, always my go-to band to like slag anything off. You notice that? Well, I think since since I tried to put them into like the top five prog bands ever, I think yes, any yeah. opportunity you've had to slag them off. I I was um, listening to the new remixes of uh, Origin of Symmetry the other day, and they sound lovely. Do they? Mm. Bet you'll be investing in that. I don't think I will. To be <laughs> I don't think I will. Um, funny old week. You know, a few weeks ago we said it's so mad we haven't even got time to talk about David Ellison, Ellison from Megadeth or formerly of Megadeth. Um, and this week he left the band. It's been quite a week or quite a few weeks. Um, it's, I don't really want to go into like the, basically he's left Megadeth. If you don't know why he's left Megadeth. He got kicked out of Megadeth. That's he got kicked out of Megadeth. If you don't know why he left Megadeth then you obviously kind of quite sensibly don't pay that much attention to the internet speaking of which can i just say a couple of weeks ago we were having a conversation about people knowing things and about other artists and how the social media isn't that i have spoken to three different individual people since i've had that conversation all of whom own marilyn manson albums who had all three of which had no idea he had done anything untoward in the last couple of years so that's not proof i mean that, to be fair but i'm just you are, saying you are out in the middle of nowhere maybe they don't have the internet there yeah well you know two of them are from london so Duh. my my foiled just hammering home my point that uh <laughs> not everyone pays attention to all the things um yes so basically dave ellison was caught 
uh, we yeah, I suppose he was caught, wasn't he? Was there some videos leaked of Dave Ellison basically doing some adult content? He was accused of grooming an underage girl via videos and online messages. Is um, the mm. very uh, sensible way that the Guardian have put it, and therefore I copied it. Oh, right. Mm. <laughs> See, that's not what I think he's done, actually. He's basically bumped in. He's a dirty old man, um, as Frankie Howard would probably call him if he was in... Uh, <laughs> Sergeant And, Parkman. yeah, and he's he's hooked, obviously hooked up with a um, another consenting adult, and she's gone, send me a video of you masturbating. He's done that. It's leaked. And uh, it's not a very good look. For Dave Ellison, admittedly, is, it's not is, a very good look for. Is she a consenting adult? Is, I mean, I'm, she's I'm, 19 years old. Ah, uh, that's not an underage girl, then, is it? I mean, no, no, not, not. I am not saying that's okay. To be super clear, um, no, no, no. But, I I think it's pretty fucking rank, but it's not actually illegal. Now we can have a a, a discussion about whether or not just because it's not illegal that means it's morally right and blah 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 blah. but then you know i think you get people going oh when you get to 18 you should stop treating young people like they're stupid and they can't make their own decisions and yada yada yada. if the law says you're old enough to do those things then i guess you're either old enough to do those things or you're not old enough to do those things now i don't know where you kind of put this cut off thing where you do you know what i mean i don't really understand you might not like it. Like, I don't really like it. I wouldn't do that. And I'm younger than, than Dave Ellison. I'm sure you wouldn't do that either. No, no. But I don't think it's anything other than just like, oh, man, come on. That should, that to me feels like, I think, you know, Dave Mustaine is a, a born, is a, is a Christian, mm. um, as discussed. And uh, a few weeks ago, we discussed that. And I think he wants a more family friendly, um, idea of what megadeth is and for that i can see how dave ellison's behavior um is is at odds with what dave mustaine how dave mustaine currently wants to promote megadeth and what megadeth he wants them to be right mm. so i can understand that but the idea of like um you know the idea of like the calling him a paedophile and stuff i don't i feel very uncomfortable with that i think that kind of i think that kind of that demeans and belittles actual like actual paedophiles that, that kind of yes. like you're dimin you're diminishing there there are actual sex offenders and and actual paedophiles in the world and yeah. by grouping dave ellison in with someone like ian watkins yes i think you're kind of basically your your um conflating something which is is not true no, i mean the absolutely. girl in question who who did this has actually said um i was a consenting ad has put a thing on the internet going i was a consenting ad adult nothing inappropriate ever happened before that it was all consensual i'm not a victim and i've not been groomed in the slightest as i was the one to initiate it mm. so she's even come out and said that that was what she wanted to do i mean whether she's kind of mature enough in her mind to to be making co the correct decisions in her life again that is another Thing that we could discuss we could discuss society's sexualization of younger people but all of these things are that it's still it's still in the eyes of the law 
it's still legal. I am I am actually seeing here, um, yes, on the louder.com, I've, I've gone to another source, and indeed it does say the woman involved also came forward to deny the suggestion that she was underage at the time. So maybe that reporting is um, inaccurate. Um, yeah, I think it... Um, no, I agree entirely. I think throwing... So we, we've had to look this up in the past um, <laughs> for reasons which I won't go <laughs> into. Um, but um, the actual definition of a paedophile is... Um, uh, being attracted to, or, or, but being attracted to prepubescent, prepubescent people. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which this is not. So, so it actually factually, that you know, it is, it is inaccurate to say David Ellison is a paedophile. Um, mm. And yeah, I agree completely. Like, like the Dave Ellisons of this world, whilst we're absolutely not condoning it in any way, shape, or form should be separated from the Ian Watkinses of this world, which is absolute. I mean, just one of the most vilest crimes I can even think of. This mm. is um, <laughs> dodgy, to put it mildly, but, you know, it, it, they are leagues away from one another. Um, it's almost as if there's no nuance on the internet. Don't think I've ever said that before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I mean, Dave Ellison is... Um, <laughs> is basically going to file a lawsuit against the individual who uploaded these videos of him. Um, um, I'm not sure who it is who, who leaked it, but yeah, it's, it's revenge porn, right? Mm. I mean, whoever yeah. did, you know, that's, that's the thing, which, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's so many things that like about, there's so many things about this, which is just kind of nasty. And I guess in some ways you kind of go, the thing is, if you say about Dave Ellison, oh well, if you if you do the if you do the crime, then you got to face the consequences and those sort of things. But then, I mean, I watched a documentary about uh, I think it was a reality TV star who had um, kind of was a victim of revenge porn and had stuff uploaded, uh, and I wouldn't ever dare say that about her. Mm. So mm. I don't really want to say it about Dave Ellison, mm. to be perfectly honest. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I, what, what's that? A consistent set of moral principles? Hmm. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Um, anyway, there you go. Dave Ellison isn't in Megadeth anymore. Better news. Download will stage a reduced capacity government approved festival at Donington Park, Renfrey, mm-hmm. on the 18th to the 20th of June. They're just copying Glastonbury. 2021. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. From now. Yeah. 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 A festival in three weeks. Can you believe it? Uh, yes, because we've known this for about a week, but yes. yes. All right. Yeah. But can you, yeah, but when you heard that, could you believe it? <laughs> no, it was very interesting. And actually, it was um, surprising. We actually, we actually, on the down low, uh, on the down low, oh, there we go. Um, we actually, have found out about this before the um glastonbury equinox stuff that we talked about before and yeah it's very very interesting indeed um tickets are 120 pounds which i guess in 2021 is all right i suppose it's it's difficult three days it's three days yeah yeah i mean yeah no actually 40 bands yeah that's not too bad 40 bands over three day periods um 10,000 people, obviously, it's going to be like a big incubator. So once you're in, you have to be in there. It's, you can't leave. You've got a camp, uh-huh. which I'm not very happy about, I have to be honest. Moshing will be allowed. So it's not going to be socially distanced. Mm. You'll be able to get in the pit. 
and swing your fists around uh, in Matt Tuck's face, hopefully. But, um, <laughs> uh, and, um, we should say, as we we're recording this, playing. we don't know who's playing, although we also sort of do know who's playing as well. Yeah. So, you, you, yeah, you, we, you'd so, like to swing your fists at um, uh, two thirds of the headliners, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, I, no, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time on two of them when one of them I could definitely <laughs> would spend all my fists swinging. Like, uh, no, I've got to say, I'm not like. From what we aware, are we are aware? I'm not that excited about the headliners, mm. but I am excited about. I, you know, I don't want to be like. Oh, I think the first person who moans about the lineup should <laughs> like. Fuck off. You know it's <laughs> like, gonna you know it's gonna yeah. happen though. I mean, in particular, like there is one that um who you know is a friend of mine, as we've spoken about on this show before, who I'm I I, I know he knows he's gonna get, you know, shtick for it, but that uh, they, they're going to fucking moan. You just know it. You know it, they're gonna moan. Mm. Of course, yeah, they're, of gonna course moan. they're gonna moan. Yeah. Yeah, people are gonna moan. Um and it'll be a shame if people moan. But then, you know. Don't fucking go. Like all the It'll people that are going. If, if it will be a shame when people moan. Yeah, yeah. It will be, be a shame when people. Themselves, well, the yeah, you know, like shut the fuck up. Like, let, you know. Yes. And and even and I say that even as someone who's I'm not I'm I'm not excited by any of the the headliners at all. To be perfectly honest, we can't say they are. We sort of know who they are. But I mean, look. By the time you're listening to this, you probably do definitely know who they are. But we still aren't. We can't really say just in case. Um, might be wrong, but yeah, it's, hmm? we we might be wrong. That's why we've not we've not heard from official sources. Let's just say, yeah, that. that's that's what it is. If if we had an official thing going, this is what then it's going to be. But I don't think anyone officially knows. But people do sort of know. Yeah. But no one really officially knows. But yeah. by the time this comes out, this is not fun. This is not interesting to anyone, is it? <laughs> it um, is. It sounds anyway, all for, spy and James Bond. Yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, but yeah, but people will be listening to it, going, "I've got the lineup, lads. I've got <laughs> yeah, it. I'm looking true, at it right actually. now." <laughs> <laughs> I Stop forgotten. going on about whether or not you know, because you do. As I listen to this, as you, this is going in your ear now, you probably do know. So anyway, um, I'm not that excited about the three headliners, but I think it is good that there are younger, those bands who are younger will be able to say, I headlined Download. And I think that is cool. Can they say that? <laughs> well, yeah, they because they're going, theory. of course they can. This is a Download festival. Yeah. All right. Fine. Um, yeah, I guess they can. Um, I do you, uh, I feel a little, I, I, this is obviously a great thing. And I think it's really, really cool that they've done this. Um, really? I'm, well, I'm a little bit puzzled as to why this has been allowed to go ahead. And yet there are so many other kind of independent stuff and bits and pieces. I mean, 10,000 capacity, that is exactly the same size as, um, 2000 trees, for example. Yes, but 2000 trees holds 10,000 people, whereas download holds about a hundred thousand people. And it's 10,000 people of a 100,000 person. On a bigger venue. site. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still going to all bunch together. It doesn't, I mean, it, I, I, there's an awful lot that doesn't make sense to me. Just annoyed it. that you can't go to Art Tangent, isn't it? That's what it no, is. no, no, no. Well, no, you are. You're allowed to be. Like, I understand that. I, if you said to me, like, would you rather have this kind of, you know, half-assed download a week before everything officially opens back up anyway? Yeah. Or would you rather have Art Tangent happen at full capacity uh, kind of maybe slightly under normal capacity but that happen and it be you know a month month and a half into what is meant to be the kind of opening up of the whole country i would obviously pick 
the the latter. Mm. Like no, I, 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 all, all I'm trying to point out is, is it, it's. Uh, I mean, this is this isn't a, a, a diss against download at all. Um, mm. It's a diss because I, I like the fact that they've actually tried to do something, put together something together for people to to do that and to have the idea to do it, and and the fact that they've pulled it off that is great. I think, yes, the site can hold a hundred thousand people. But do you really think people are going to... I mean, people aren't going to socially distance. I mean, they, they, they're not even being asked to. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we will just have to wait and see. I, I, I hope that it wouldn't, like, make anything... I wouldn't, I'm not suggesting that this festival alone would make the pandemic start up again. Um, but, you know, there are other events happening similarly. I'm just I'm just sort of questioning, is it too early? Is it not? The truth is, is no, yeah. nobody knows. So we'll see. I, I, I hope I'm I'm completely wrong to even uh, question it, um, mm. like genuinely. We all want stuff to happen again as, as soon as possible. I'm just a, I'm just a little bemused as to I mean it feels to me that yes you're probably right this license has been granted because the capacity is for 100,000 odd people and they're only having one tenth of that but we we both know that practically people everyone's going to bunch up towards the front of the stage like it's just yeah of course but you know happen. it's it's yeah, of course it is, of course. But it's also, you know, it's a test event. It's a kind of incubated. Yeah. You have to have a, you know, you're going to get tested on the way in. Yeah. You won't be allowed out yeah. of the, the site at all. I mean, I don't know how they're going to work that with the bands. I mean, they can't expect to have, like, the headlining bands turn, who are, you know, whoever's headlining Friday, oh, you turn up and you have to stay for the whole weekend. Like, that. you know, that's obviously not going to happen. Maybe they do have to do that. I don't know. I don't know. can't imagine they're going to make them, like, camp. Do you know what I mean? You can't make the bands camp and stuff. I, 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 well, it, but if but if it is literally this is the only way that this this can go ahead, you will have mm. to stay here for the whole weekend. Um, then I think bands would gladly do that because they're probably itching to play shows and it's a paycheck. <laughs> so so yeah, yeah, I think I I, I think in these in normal circumstances, absolutely not. It would like it would be very very. It'd be very uh, unusual. Although bands do do that art tangible all the time because it's the best. But um, but I think that yeah, I think in these circumstances, I think probably people would agree to that because I was I show. still I'm still having a hotel. <laughs> going. I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not camp. I'm not camping. You know, I'm gonna lie. Uh, I'm not camping. Yeah, there he is. So I probably won't be going. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I I burned my bridges with download a long time ago, so I won't be going. But um, but uh, I I I think this like I don't want to sound too negative. Uh, I I think this is really awesome that they're trying something, and obviously, it actually makes a lot more sense for there to be a in betweeny kind of festival and a pilot event and and stuff like that, a, a kind of trial event um before we go smack bang into the big thing uh next year so it, it, it i i think it's all very very good news there's just a slight hint of caution that i'm putting to it but you know i think that's sensible considering the events so yeah, yeah. it's kind of exciting i mean in all honesty i would really like to go i just don't, don't, don't want to camp anyway um <laughs> fuck that let's do some reviews download it's happening Good. Let's do some reviews. Black Midi Cavalcade is the second album from the London-based noise rock band. The follow-up to their 
Mercury Prize nominated Schlagenheim album of 2019. We were kind of ho-hum on Schlagenheim, Renfrey. Not really because we thought it was a bad record, but more really just because I don't think either of us fully understood why it was Black Midi suddenly who were getting all the attention in circles where this type of music really never does get any attention. And it was an odd thing, wasn't it? Like suddenly this band playing these kind of odd time signatures and math rock kind of shit that we had probably been listening to for about 25 odd years um, were being played on Six Music and getting in The Guardian and getting nominated for a Mercury Prize and, and being, you know, tipped as the the kind of the future of, of British music. And it was a weird thing. And then we found out it's because they were at the Brit School. But it was a weird thing, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, hmm, was it was it because they were at the Brit School? I mean, there's plenty of Brit School well, alumni who have come out, who have mm. gone on to do buckle. And also Brit School usually, I mean, um, Adele came from there and blah, blah, blah. I mean, mm. I, I don't know. I, I think the Brit School thing has been really overplayed in the press, to be honest. I was like, who gives a fuck where they came from? I think that's fucking nonsense. It's not like... No, I, I don't care. But I think that it probably meant that they were... They had more eyes on them. I mean... Like their drummer won Young Drummer of the Year or something in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he is quite good. He is. He's very good. Um... I, it, it's kind of uh, so. I think it was Jude Rogers from the Guardian who called them three or four years ago the most excited, the best British band, the the best band in Britain right now, or the best guitar band mm-hmm. in Britain right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly going back to her kind of, it was just a sort of the Guardian do this thing where they go wants to watch, and it's just like bands to watch, yeah. and that's what it was in. And um, I mean, reading what she said, it was quite kind of clear that she hadn't listened to anything like Daughters at the Drive-In um, or anything like that. Fugazi. Fugazi. Um, Mr. Bungle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because she said, I, she said, she basically said, I've never heard anything like this. And it's like, really? Well, the guys I worked with at the time were like, oh my God, you should hear this, but I've never heard anything like it before in my life. And I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds a little bit like <laughs> Spy versus Spy or, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of angular. Um, I mean, there's a lot of jazz influence in it, um, like loads, actually, particularly on this record, Cavalcade. Um, and certainly they've had a lot of attention very quickly. This is a band who are four years old, which is nothing. I mean, they are a baby band, really, um, in many ways. And um, they reportedly signed a six-figure publishing deal with Rough Trade. I mean, whether that's true or not, I don't know. A six-figure publishing deal in this day and age seems crazy, especially for a band who are, let's face it, genuinely avant-garde. I mean, this is this is yeah, odd, this is odd music, and mm-hmm. um, it, whatever whatever you know, we think of Jude Rogers or or, or the Guardians sort of saying that this is really unique and original when, when it clearly blatantly isn't. Uh, it certainly is really nice and encouraging to see that really unusual music has been pushed by such a large publication because this, you know, th- there is no two ways about it. Anyone who says, oh, Black Midi, oh, they're not 
weird and they're not avant-garde it's, it's it would just be like it'd be like i saw a review earlier today um from two fucking idiots saying that portrayal of guilt were a were a pussy band i believe they called them um you know and and yeah exactly <laughs> and you you uh, i'll send you that you'll love that and um and you know you kind of listen to an opinion like that and you just go well you're wasting my time because you're objectively wrong there we go um and um yeah, Black Midi are undoubtedly very avant-garde and very unusual. And, and you know, we've seen this also with, with uh, Black Country New Road as well. That's going to bring up Black Country New Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Who uh, they share a DNA with. I don't think they're exactly the same in any way, shape no. or form, but th- there's bits and pieces. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's really encouraging. I'm still a little confused as to why. Why them? I'm still a little bit like, okay, but, but, but I also think it'd be churlish to complain about it. Cause at the end of the day, it feels like that's what we've been shooting for since we started this podcast. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I kind of said, oh, the Brit school thing. And that's all I've got really. That's, that's all I've got as to why they've been jumped on. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this record I think is like, I, I went back and listened to uh, Schlagenheim again. So did I. Yeah. And I think this is a much better record, personally. I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I, I think this is definitely a better record. I think it's a better record for, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. I think it's, it, they're actually, they've, there's not a lot of restraint on Schlagenheim, I don't think. Uh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's there's a bit more restraint on that. And And although that might be like, oh, well, you know, do you want this kind of mad, weird, crazy band? Like, surely you want the the you know the weird shit to get as 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 big as possible. The thing is, is I'm not know, really. We know people. We know bands who do it better, though. That's what I felt listening to Schlagenheim. It's yeah. like, yes, yeah, this do. is chaotic and this is wild and it's all over the place, but daughters exist. Mm. I'm shrugging my shoulders. So it was kind of like, well, yeah. And yeah it's like that's a, that's an all right that's an all yeah. right kind of math rock album yeah schlagenheim yeah. that's a de- yeah. i think it's a decent, it's decent. math rock album yeah. you know it's not something that i would be coming back to you know in the same way as what you know we talked about like fall of troy and i was like yeah you know they're all right but i know you've got a you're a fan of a lot of their material and i was like oh yeah this is actually pretty good and i would say like the fall of troy album that we reviewed is better than Schlagenheim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think the Fall of Troy album is like, oh, my God, I hold that up as like the absolute pinnacle of this genre. Do you know my, what I mean? One of my least favourite Fall of Troy albums. I still really yeah. like it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, the, the funny thing about this is, like, I mean, it starts like Primus. Like the first song sounds like Primus. John L is full-blown Primus from the the weird little guitar and the odd vocal delivery. It's like, who would have thought all these years later, Primus would be like kind of cool under like indie mainstream darlings so a band sounding like Primus. Yeah, yeah. That that's hilarious to me. That you know that's 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 amazing. Yeah, like that's great. You know, like if people are listening to that and going, "What the fuck is this?" and you're just like, "Well, wait until you get hold of." anti-pop you're gonna have a lovely time ultra, i mean they think they probably ultra pop yeah sorry um they probably uh never will but no. no ultra pops um the 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 armed i was talking about anti-pop the primus album oh i apologize sorry yeah 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 um yeah so i mean it's a great opening 
Like Primus are cool, and it sounds like Primus. John, like what the fuck is great. John L is a fantastic song. Uh, mixes at the drive-in sort of chaotic aesthetic with the avant-garde. I'm going to say avant-garde a lot. Um, jazz stylings of Miles Davis or John Zorn. Um, mm. It's a really thrilling way to start the record. That sax riff uh, acts as a sort of anchor to guide the listener through the song. And I love the sort of stop-start mechanics of it. Um, by far one of the best songs on the record for me. Uh, maybe even the best song on the record. But yeah, great, great song. I actually think they do a better version of it later on in the album. Mm. Personally. Okay. There's only really two songs that are quite like that. I mean, th- th- this is... And it gets interesting for me, I think, because the second song is called um, Marlene Dietrich, and it's a bit more reserved. And it's got a touch of the divine comedy to it, I think. <laughs> it's got a kind of loungy vibe feeling to it. And I think as an opening one-two on the album, I think it brilliantly sets you up for what this record is and i actually find although i think john l is probably a song that i enjoy more i thought marlene dietrich was more interesting to me because i was like okay so you're not gonna just go wackety wackety like spiddly doddly for the whole album great and because you know i they hadn't really bothered not just being like that last album is just mental like they just go for full-blown mental whereas this i think is it's a bit more of a surprise. It's a bit more relaxed. And you're like, ah, oh, you're actually kind of, you're going to be a bit broader and you're probably going to be a bit more able to attract casual fans. Because I think there might've been a few people who would be well, like, oh maybe. my God, that first Black Midi album, it's mental. And then they would just sort of forget about it. It'd be like kind of math rock permission to land or something. They might be. And this was an interesting point I actually wanted to bring up. I mean, just to do a sidestep ever so quickly. Whilst there has been a shitload of hype for this band, um, has it translated to actually people actually listening to them? Checked on Spotify, uh, they have 300,000 monthly listens. Oh, really? Which is... Not a lot. Not a lot. And that's only Spotify. In fact, it's not even 300,000. It's just shy of 300,000. It's about 295-something. And in terms of the venues that they're playing, I mean, they do have a gig coming up at Alexandra Palace Theatre, uh, which is, um, uh, I, I've never actually been to that venue, but Chelsea Wolf was due to play that venue, but like, God, before this whole pandemic thing started and she had to cancel it, unfortunately. I mean, they're doing places like the Brudenell Club in Leeds and, um, oh shit, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but you know, they're, they're relatively small venues. And even though there's all this hype and even though like people are being like, oh my God, they're one of the most hyped bands, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's actually translating into people actually listening to them at all well to give you a, a little i just kind of went on because my spotify was on it right so you said three hundred thousand monthly listens hmm. death have six hundred thousand monthly listens so twice as many yeah. and that's a band who split up uh well who ceased to exist it's a, it's a uh, death over, metal over band 20, a death metal band who ceased to exist 20 years ago yeah uh yeah so you know so looking at some of the others i mean even like obituary aren't that far away from them and morbid angel who was on at the time aren't that far away either from from that number and those bands are very old very underground extreme metal bands yeah they're not getting any kind of hype in the sort of mainstream circles at all so you would imagine in fact i'm gonna pick a i'm gonna pick someone who who should i pick who's i guess should we say like parkway drive like i wonder how many parkway drive listen monthly listeners parkway drive have a parkway drive to get like nearly one and a half million monthly listeners 
There you go. Mm. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting, I suppose this is what people mean when they sometimes say that like, um, music critics are just so like far. Yeah. You can't break bands anymore. Well, I wasn't even to say that. Um, mm. but music critics are just so far away from knowing what people actually like and people actually listen to. I think this is the thing. I like there's actually a lot that I like about this black mini record. There's a lot that I don't like as well and we'll get onto that in a moment. But I'm just even with all the hype around it and stuff like that, I just don't have enough faith in the general public that they're going to listen to this and like it. Uh, well, I mean obviously there are some people who will, but not uh, not on mass. I like I can't see black midi ever being a massive massive deal and i think like looking at that i mean look it's still early-ish in their career and they don't strike me as a band who give a shit about being a massive deal it's kind of a poison chalice in a weird way all the praise and hype that they've got um yeah because i think we've got people like me and you now who are sort of folding our arms at the back and going oh okay fucking prove your metal to us then uh, if you're some, the best british band in the world blah, blah 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 whatever um and i feel like they sort of i kind of feel weirdly sorry for them because i feel like that's actually put them on the back foot a little i mean obviously it's not a bad thing to get those kind of comments in a publication as well respected and as and as big as the guardian but at the same time I mean, th uh, this has been critically well received. So, yeah, maybe they couldn't give a toss. I don't know. But like, it, it feels a bit, it feels a bit, uh, yeah, like a poison chalice, as I said. It's an unusual one. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think people will, yeah, there will be that attitude. Like, I definitely was like, I remember because when I was working, we were doing the, the Mercury Music Prize with my old job. And they were like, we're going to sit down and listen to all of the albums nominated. And when this came on, I was like, I'd never heard of them before. And I was like, what the fuck? How mm. did they, who are they? Mm, mm, mm. And the people I worked with were like, oh my God. So unique, so original. Oh my God, you've never heard anything. And I was like, no, I've heard loads of things like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I can't believe, I'm, I'm wondering where, I've never, why have I never heard of this band before? Like, where have they come from? And um, I suppose they mix a lot of very avant-garde stuff together quite well. You know, we've already evoked John Zorn at the drive-in, Fugazi, primus you know there's definitely it feels like they're culling from a lot of different sources but yeah. but i still wouldn't call this in any daughters but i still wouldn't call this in any way like unique it's not in the slightest no i mean i, I think, but I I think do they think, know that <laughs> to be honest yeah I, they probably <laughs> do i think they're probably just like what you know whatever but yeah, you know there's yeah. i think there's a kind of cool like the next song um Crondo Malakia Paella, I think that's how you say it, yeah. is a mix of the sort of first two ideas from the the first two songs. Kind of slower and lausher, but also a bit more musically manic than Marlene Dietrich was. And it's a, quite a broad opening to the record, I think. Although, if I'm honest, I do think that song is a noticeable step down from the first two, it's, to be perfectly it's, honest. It's the first point where I start to go, eh, yeah um i suppose yeah so i suppose i should bring it up now i do think that there are some as i've already said there are some really good there are some really good songs on this album and there's some some really good moments on this album i also think there's quite a lot of um avant-gardeness for avant-garde's sake 
on it. Um, I think there's quite a lot of um, just just songs which sound more like ideas that haven't been fully formed. And it's interesting, you know, they, they improvise a lot and a lot of these songs come from improvisations and you can hear that and that there's nothing wrong with writing in that way. Like that that's worked wonders for lots of bands in the past. But sometimes I feel like uh, they sound like recorded improvisations rather than songs. And obviously they are songs, but um, I feel like they could do with a little bit more toning up and a little bit more a little bit more songwriting yeah. nous put into them yeah and that third but, song which i'm not even going to try and pronounce is the first time that i feel that on this album and, it, and it's not the last either mm. there's there's a few moments where i was like you still haven't been able to shake the urge to just go mad yes absolutely and i mean the, the, there's the a song dethroned right and the start of it was pure it literally sounds like it could have been lifted from spirit of eden so straight away I was like, oh, great. They're going to do a kind of really like very quiet, slow. And I was like, that's going to be an interesting thing. And that opening goes away really quickly. And it goes into, I, I've, I've written down, it's a kind of relaxed Bambara is what it kind of goes into. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But, but that opening, that kind of ambient opening that doesn't really go anywhere and is just there for a few seconds and then leaves, I'm like, you could have built an entire song around that yes. or at least at least an opening to a song and seen where that took you. But you just did it. And I was like, oh, my God, amazing. And my ears just pricked up straight away. And then it was gone. And I was like, that's the problem with this band and this album, I think, is that there are too many times where an idea is kind of thrown away just for the sake of um, changing things for no reason. I, can, and it's I not, completely agree. And it's not necessarily about serving the song. It's more about kind of sticking to um, we can go wherever we want to go, which I think is an, it's an admirable thing, mm -hmm. but it's just somebody needs to go. I think they need to have, they need the bravery to go. We're not scared to write songs because ultimately Quite. that's, that, that's <clears throat> what's going to give them longevity. Yeah, right? I, I agree. And I, I also think if, as I've already said, I don't think they give a toss about being big or not. But if, you know, the likes of The Guardian are right and they, they were shooting for um, being a really, really big band, in order for that to work, they need to have hooks. And Black Midi are clearly not interested in having hooks at all. And there's nothing wrong with that. But But if you don't have hooks, you're not going to become a big band. It's kind of as simple as that, really, which is why I guess that's why I'm still bemused as to why this has, you know, been uh, sort of touted the way that it ha has been hyped the way that it has. Um, we, we review plenty of music that doesn't really have hooks. I don't think that Veroni album particularly has hooks, but it's no. fucking great. Um, but... But I do. See, that's a good example because that drags you so far into the world of the record. Mm, mm, mm. Then I'm not sure that this quite does that. Like, no, like I, I say, agree. Dethroned, I was like, you could have fucking dragged me right into that opening bit. And, you know, there are moments, there, there's quite a few moments to be fair. Like the last song, Ascending Forth, I think that shows what they are really capable of. You know, it's. I well it's okay. Uh, this is the first point in this entire review. I disagree with you. I think Ascending Forth is an absolute wet fart of a song. 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I think the issue for it, it, it is it's kind of languishing in that avant-garde thing again. And like th that Ascending Forth song does not sound like um, it has been fully fleshed out at all. And it sort of spends almost 10 minutes just building to nothing at all. And part of me mm. thinks... Well, that's a cool thing to do. It's the last song on the record. It's 10 minutes long. And, and what what you would expect is that to build into a large sort of cacophonous uh, um, conclusion. Crescendo. Crescendo mm. Thank you. And, and, it, and it never does. Um, but I also just feel like it kind of wanders aimlessly for 10 minutes and then it just ends. And it's like, I feel like you've just wasted the last 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> see i don't feel like that i okay. what i do feel about that is I, I i mean i think when i say it shows what they're capable of i think it shows a willingness to because you know like you say i'm not sure they're particularly interested in hooks but i think they're no. probably interested in something vaster than what they often get on here and i, I was i thought with this with ascending forth it was at least it was like well you've you've stuck at something for 10 minutes i don't necessarily okay. think it's the best song on the album mm -hmm. But I think it at least sticks to a thing and travels and, and builds and builds and builds to it until it reaches a some kind of arc. You okay. know? Uh, but I don't think it's the best song. But I think that probably if we had an album where they did... I mean, like I say, to go back to Dethroned, Dethroned is five minutes long. And I think they could have had three minutes of the opening bit and see where that went. And then it would have been, you know, suddenly it's an eight minute long song rather than not eight songs that kind of flip between being like three minutes and 10 minutes, two minutes maybe in some cases. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe four, maybe four or five songs that are all between eight and 10 minutes long, I think might be, might be better for them, mm. but then I don't know. I mean the other, the other, but then also the flip to that is I think of, I mean, this is a weird comparison, but I think of a band like the human league, right? And when the human league started out, they wanted to make very kind of odd minimalist, um, craft work style robotic sounding compositions mm. and then just went well fuck it let's see if we can write some pop songs and they just became a full-blown pop band but with that underpinning everything and maybe that's there for you know maybe that's a, a an avenue black midi could travel down but at the moment i don't feel i like ascending forth doing that at all and, that, no, and, that's, no, and mean, that's absolutely fine you know yeah which then... is why i think something like ascending forth is why they might want to kind of at least try and lean on that more. Because I was like, well, at least you've shown the kind of, um, at least you've shown the kind of uh, the the discipline to actually follow an idea all the way through. It doesn't feel like that song. I mean, you might say like, you know, nothing happens and it gets a bit, but, but I, I like the fact that they, they stay disciplined enough to see that idea through. It doesn't really change particularly. It's mm. not suddenly like there's a big wacky, like whack, whack in the middle of it. Like, and, and, and to, there's, there's a few bits of this record where I'm like, you just seem a little bit, it's a bit ADHD and it's a bit all over the place. Mm. And mm. it's actually not really much of a skill to just link a bunch of riffs together and then a bit, have a like big weird sax bit. And then, you know, like it's not, that's, it doesn't make you a good songwriter. It doesn't make you a good songwriter to do that. Um, Makes a good music. You might be a good musician, but you're not necessarily a good songwriter. I think it depends how it's done. To be fair, I I I, I think Black Midi shows some aspects of of brilliant songwriting. John L. I think is a really good um, 
uh, example. Well, Hogwash and Balderdash is the other one that's Hogwash a bit and like it, which I think is, yeah. is is really good. And that, and that halfway through, he goes full Mike Patton yeah. kind of crooner yeah. in it, which is, I think that's probably the best song on the record. For oh, me. really? Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, I quite like that song. I think my other contender for best song on the record is probably Diamond Stuff. Um, it has a very mm-hmm. sort of amnesiac era Radiohead vibe to it. And again, it is one of those songs where they show a bit of restraint. And I think overall... More minimalist, isn't it? It's more minimalist. And I think overall, the reason why I prefer this album to uh, Schlagenheim is because they have shown more restraint on it rather than... I mean, I'm just agreeing with what you're saying, basically. But but the, rather than just going mad all the time, they've shown a bit more restraint on it. And Diamond Stuff is kind of like the, the gold standard for that, in my opinion. Because um, it has that sort of slow, menacing build with horns that come in midway through. And a theremin, which, of course, is so Radiohead. Um, mm-hmm. But um, for those reasons, it's one of the highlights of the album for me. Um, but I... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm basically just in, in full agreement with everything you're saying, apart, apart from our feelings on the last song, in, in that there is a sort of wild chaos to them that they almost need to rein in. Um, uh, they don't need to dispense with that chaoticness entirely because that would be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But I almost feel like they need a producer, like with a really good ear to go... That's Bob good. Rock, That's good. Bob Rock. <laughs> that would be interesting, to say the least. Um, That's really good. That's really good. Cut that. You don't need that. That's good. That's good. Because there are moments that are really fucking good on this record. And there are moments which I find... I, I, I'll stop short of saying eye-rolling, but there are moments where I go, man, you could have done something really good with that. And you've just kind of gone into your default improvisational jazz mm. thing, which is I mean, fine. Is, but meh. yeah, it falls a little bit in between two stools. I think it's much better than the last album, mm. which was just sort of crazy and not a lot else. And that's the thing is like, you know, my favorite Dylan Escape Plan album is the one with the least songs on it, probably. Like, I actually think there are. I mean, 43% burnt. You can't say there's not a massive fucking hook and guitar riff on that. And, no. you know, I think. Um, the running board has got like massive hooks on it and stuff. And the title track is really, it's really catchy as well. But you know, what was cool about that is it just was, it was, it was so mad at the time you listened to it and you're like, well, this is the maddest thing ever. But then they learned how to write songs. Yeah. And when you get to like the end of Dillinger's career or well, when you get kind of a few years later, really, they are writing massive songs and they haven't scrimped on all of those idiosyncratic things that made them such a great band in the first place. Yeah. Well, um, well, when we did our albums of the decade, uh, it, I suppose it was a controversial choice, but my favourite Dillinger album of those last three, I decided, was One of Us is the Killer, which is by yeah. far the most restrained and, and most, <laughs> for want of a better word, poppy, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, it's not poppy, but, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the, mo- it's the most sing-along and it's the most, you know, by, by far. And, and that's why it's my favourite of, of those last yeah. three. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's probably, you know, I, I feel like Black Midi are maybe sort of treading a middle ground here at the moment yeah. that is kind of unsatisfactory in yes. both camps. Yes, I yeah. And I think maybe that if the, the next album there could be, you know, like th- th- this has happened a lot over the years where a band come out and it's just like, Bleh, like, I roll, uh, you know, 
it's happened a lot and then they kind of refine to the point where you go i mean you say i don't think that they're interested in writing hooks or writing songs i, I think the challenge for them would be to try and keep the essence of that first record but continue to i mean even i know it's quite far away but when you think of a band like employed to serve mm. like employed to serve haven't thrown away what made Grail and you remember such a great record mm, mm. but they're very very much a long way from that now and they are a band who have massive hooks and massive memorable moments and they're you know they're they're better for it i know it's a completely different style of music mm. but they are they are better for it or <laughs> you know you go completely the other way and you become just you know kind of borderline unlistenable and that's fine yeah. as well. Like, if you want to do that, well, if you want to push it the to... Route. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do that and uh, and and it can be really good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there is definitely um, growth to be had still for Black Midi. But for me, this record is much better than the first one yeah i i agree entirely and i'm still i'm still really interested in this but i will say one thing i really want to see them live i really mm. really i saw them at the mercury thing and it was really good okay cool he uh he threw himself into a piano the guitarist <laughs> he just threw his guitar and then he jumped onto a grand piano that wasn't even theirs just to the other side of the stage it was pretty cool oh, okay um no i do i do really want to see them live i think they're i think i feel like the main thing we're trying to say is they need a bit of refinement um to be fair they are super young they're like they're still like mm. early to mid 20s so there's plenty of time there's plenty of time for that to happen uh, I just hope they don't get swallowed up by all the hype and the music industry machine. They do seem to be playing it um, pretty smartly. Um, so mm -hmm. hopefully that won't happen. But um, like I said at the beginning of this review, I almost think that ridiculous hype that they got at the beginning of their career is almost a bad thing rather than a good thing. Um, because there will be a lot of people who are just like, come on, impress me now and will you know just not not be impressed as a result but there is there is plenty on here which is really impressive it just needs a bit yeah a bit more refinement really mm. and and then we could be talking about a band who really do live up to the hype but they don't at the moment yeah i agree uh anyway there you go the album is called cavalcade it's by black midi it's out now and that brings us on to our next album, our second album of the week, which comes from Perturbator. The album is called Lustful Sacraments. It is the fifth studio album, full-length studio album, from the French synthwave pioneer, James Kent. The follow-up to 2018's New Model EP, which was a great EP. Now, uh, I think most people who've been listening to me for a few years will be aware of the fact that I'm a very big fan of Perturbator. Mm. From the moment my ears heard Perturbator and well saw I saw him like before I, well not before I heard him I heard and saw him at exactly the same time because he was playing live so I heard him saw him live and I was like wow where was that uh, it was at the Einsterflug festival in Iceland oh. in basically a working man's club at three o'clock in the morning to a bunch of like black metal fans Crumbs. and it was fucking mental okay totally 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 fucking mental um and i was just like all these people in corpse paint 
holding glow sticks and dancing to this like 80s synth um music but quite dark sounding 80s synth music i mean it's something this kind of synth wave and particularly perturbator that combines the two things i possibly love the most into one genre which is sort of extreme metal and synth pop and so you know i'm i'm always going to be like yes yes to this sort of thing and i think he's kind of always um um combining extreme metal musically i think a little bit there's certainly a, a kind of icy darkness of of black metal to 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 his oeuvre i think i just sort of see that as the kind of terminator tech noir synth stuff maybe um undoubtedly um he has uh uh, got an audience with a shitload of um metal fans and he did Mm -hmm. come from black metal bands didn't he yeah so 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 i'm not totally dismissing that um i don't know i just think if you listen to the music it's kind of like tobias forge from ghost came from black metal bands but i don't really hear any black metal in the actual music obviously in the aesthetic of it and all that sort of thing ghost no 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 no. but i don't think ghosts are trying to do that at all i think perturbator well you know there's a whole wave of like odds avant-garde black metal stuff i mean even the most i guess the most obvious one being burzum but then you could chuck in mortis as well like there is a whole Mm. movement within black metal of kind of like odd synthy weird you know sort of formless dark noise yeah um and i think he borrows from that a, a, enough for yeah, me to yeah. kind of see that okay, i mean certainly enough. more than the others like he's always been my favorite one of these ones i think he's got that kind of dark edge to him is definitely there it's, it's in there but you know the other big one being carpenter brute i see carpenter brute as quite a fun thing do you know what i mean the kind of i was gonna say cheesy then he is a bit cheesy but in a good way um this feels more dark it's a bit darker like ghost is another good one too um but this is a scene, I guess, synthwave, to talk about synthwave, because I don't think we've really spoken about it on the show ever before. It seems like this never really fully took off. I think it looked like it was going to be the big new thing a few years ago. And now no one's really talking about it so much, are they? Um, we, we, you've not, I've discussed this a fair bit. I'm not sure you have, though, Renfrey. What are your thoughts on that whole kind of synthwave thing, both when it happened and re- reflecting on it today. I think it's a really weird one, and it's a really interesting time for this particular mu- music because James Kent, the um, the perturbator himself, um, has in interviews and stuff, he's tried to with this record distance himself quite a bit from that synthwave movement. That's correct, isn't it? And certainly, um, Lustful Sacraments sounds different to. The previous, I mean, actually, to be honest, the only one that I'm overly familiar with is is New Model. I have listened to other bits and pieces, but but that's New Model's the only one that I can like recall well. Um, and yes, it is different, but it still very much sits in that. Um, I mean, I listen to his music and I think of the tech noir scene in Terminator pretty much every single time I put his music on. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I like the tech noir scene in Terminator, but I still it mm. still evokes all of that. Um, it feels a little bit. I guess it feels a little bit less synthy this record, doesn't it? Than than, than mm. the previous stuff. In terms of the scene as a whole, it's a it's a really interesting one because it hasn't really been around that long. I think Perturbator started around 2012, 2011, I think, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, but he and his contemporaries have released so much stuff 
that it feels like to me that it has been around for a lot longer than it actually has. And I feel like a lot of people have really burnt out on it because they produced so much music so quickly, generally released it through the Bandcamp model. And it was very much like, oh, I'm going to release an UP every six months or whatever. Because as you say, this is his fifth full length album, but he's got multiple EPs, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of... I, it was interesting. I was chatting to our good friend Sam Slight about this album and, and he made a very good point about the record itself, uh, which I'm going to steal, but I've, I've, I've cited him. So You've fine. quoted your source, Renfrey, don't worry. <laughs> he said this is the first time that it feels like Perturbator might be following the trend rather than setting it. And as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah. That's right, isn't it? Because Perturbator was one of the first to sort of bring the synthwave thing back, bring it into prominence. And I feel like because it feels a little bit oversaturated now and he feels distanced from it and he wants to go in a different direction, he's gone in a slightly different direction, but it doesn't feel like he's um, innovating in the same way that he was before. And not that I feel that Perturbator was ever like an innovator. He was taking something that hadn't happened for a long time and redoing it and redoing it very well I must say like very very well but I was wondering what you thought about that as someone who is far more well versed in his uh music than I am well I think there are kind of incremental changes to this record I think new model was one of the first times I was like oh he's really kind of you know that felt more restrained and a lot darker than like the uncanny valley which was could be quite neon, like that neon thing. Like I think New Model stripped away a lot of the neon stuff, and I think New that, Model's quite an oppressive record, isn't it? It's I, I went yeah. back to it whilst listening, to it and, and and it is it's really it's much more oppressive yeah. than this. I think like this is an, an yeah, easier is. listen than New Model. I record. think this is an easier listen, but it still maintains the same. Um, the mindset is is mm. is, is similar, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I this says, I think this really says quite, I think it speaks more about synthwave as a genre, I think, than it does solely about Perturbator mm. because mm. I don't really know how, where you can go with this. I think this is the thing with this scene yeah. is that 2016, I heard it and I was like, oh my God. And then you heard carpenter brute and then there were suddenly like a hundred of these different things that were coming out from all over the place and like you say there was a lot of it and all of it leans on john carpenter vangelis i guess you know kind of 80s movie soundtrack stuff um it's actually taking... of kind of heavy metal and black metal and maybe kind of there's, if you're carpenter brute it's glamier if you're um perturbator it's you know kind of more more black metal extreme metal but well, this is the thing. It's really taking a lot from a fairly limited pool, isn't it? It is, and I think you know when you when when you think. I mean, it's a bit like what we were just saying about Black Midian. I mentioned kind of weirdly mentioned the Human League with Black Midian. I maybe should have saved that reference until we get to here because I think you know does synthwave. I I think Carpenter Brute might have the ability in him to do a to go from Cabaret Voltaire to Depeche Mode. Do you know what I mean? He's I think created that... more of a world, hasn't he, Carpenter Brew, I think. Yeah, he has. And I think that's that's awesome. But also, I don't think he would be scared of pop songs. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Whereas Lustful Sacraments is not really interested in... 
I mean, again, I don't think there's there's not a lot that's that danceable on this. Mm, Carpenter mm. Brute's very danceable. I think Ghost's very danceable, probably even more aggressively than than Carpenter Brute. But Carpenter Brute, you know, is I can I, I listen to to him and I go, well, I can see that you know people into the prodigy would probably like Merlin at Metal Hammer, who's into massively into dance music. He kind of quite like some of this stuff but really the only one he really likes is carpenter brute mm. i like perturbator because i like you know i mean there's definitely elements of like sisters of mercy on this record and mm-hmm. um there's elements of like you know christian death and stuff like that mm-hmm. which i think is cool and maybe maybe even killing joke do you know what i mean i yeah, think there's yeah, touches yeah. of that sort yeah. of thing as well yeah. there is that kind of um concrete slabs of early 80s it's a very it's quite a gray record do you know what i mean it's not a very color i think that the, all the kind of neon has been stripped out of perturbator and it's been replaced with a kind of um a dark gray and i mm. actually think that that is pretty good like it's it's pretty cool i think it's 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 slightly different reference points but you know i you know the cure and stuff like that do you know what i mean i think there's I think it's it's slower, it's more restrained, it's not really danceable, it's quite dour. It's in, in comparison to what you think of when you think of Synthwave, it's certainly, actually quite a, a dour sounding record. Certainly as it goes on, towards the end of the, the, the record, it gets really slow, um, almost mm. almost post-rock slow. Um, yeah. But it does, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not really until the third track, Excess, comes in that you get anything kind of upbeat. Mm. And again, it's not even that danceable, but I don't think... But it's, it, it's, it, it's upbeat, you know, and it's it's and that's one of the few kind of catchier things. And it's actually like that was one of the points where I was like, hmm, like maybe maybe there is a kind of a wormhole for him to escape through if he goes down that route a bit more because there was a touch of like the KLF or Pop Will Eat Itself or, you know, the stuff that we would be referencing before, Terminator, mm-hmm. Blade Runner, Vangelis, early kind of, you know, like goth musical or whatever. Um he get he got himself to a point where he was touching on kind of the late 80s into the early 90s it's not a massive progression but it's a little bit of one do you know what i mean i think it's a tiny little bit of one yeah. and he doesn't do it for long enough for, for you to, to to be like oh that's the direction that he's going to go in mm. but i think you know i i think there's there's a bit of kraut rock in like secret devotion um again it's not very danceable it's just kind of the grinding throbbing thing and the, the vocal is pure andrew eldritch from sisters of mercy mm-hmm. um there's guitar hooks in it as well like i think it's the first time where i've really noticed the guitar play a more prominent role particularly in the second half of the record so i yeah i i think that it's a it's a difficult scene to maneuver your way out of and there's a, it's a difficult sound to maneuver your way around i don't necessarily think that he feels like a follower at this point to me i think oh, i don't think he I think... will no 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 but i hear it i hear a lot of i mean there's a bit of post-punk going on in this record as well and that feel like it feels like such a i mean we i'm black midi you could yeah say it's a zeitgeisty a, it's sort of thing quite a zeitgeisty thing you know and and it when when perturbator started it didn't it uh, you know, whilst what he was doing wasn't original in any way, shape or form, it certainly wasn't zeitgeisty what he was doing. He created, he was one of the people who created the zeitgeist. But I guess can, you can't carry on doing that forever. Can no, you? I agree. And I don't think, I don't think he should. I think that would get really boring, especially with the amount of music they 
puts out, you know, I mean, this is actually has been a while since he's put anything out, but you know, with the amount that he did back in the day, yeah, you definitely want to change it. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I was more sort of curious about what you felt about that. And certainly there are, there is definitely something that is different, different about lustful sacraments, certainly compared to new model. Um, you know, if it does feel less oppressive and it does feel a, li a little bit more restrained, I suppose, there is more emphasis on guitar. I think that's interesting because I, we were talking about this a really long time ago, so I don't know if this still applies, but he was talking about getting a live band in for shows. Yeah, drummer and guitarist by all accounts. Is, yeah. I, I don't know if that's happened or if that's been... I I don't know either. I mean, I haven't seen him for a long time. I wasn't sure whether to to bring this up or not because we're not reviewing the live show; we're reviewing the album. But um, you'll you'll recall um, we actually saw Perturbator together live once, and I left halfway through because I thought it was boring as fuck because mm. it's a man behind a laptop, um, or it was certainly. Um, and I think that for me is an issue. It's not an issue with this record, of course, because we're talking about live, but I think certainly it's encouraging if, um, <coughs> he were to have a live band. I think whilst I agree, there is more guitar on this record. There wasn't as much as I was expecting. I did still kind of think if there was a guitarist on stage and a drummer and blah, 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 I, I don't feel like the guitarist would be doing all that much. And I was a bit surprised at that. I thought there could have been more of that colouring in it, to be honest. Um, yeah. But there is more guitar than there used to be, certainly. There's there's, there's, there's definitely more guitar. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I it's a weird one. It's, you know, I, I think there's, there's enough on here. Like, particularly when we get to, like, Death of the Soul... The other mm. place, I think the other place is my favourite song on the record. It, oh. uh, it can be quite dancey. It can be quite vast. It's got the kind of dream pop thing as well. It's got that massive breakdown where everything goes half time at the end and they're like, whoosh, whoosh comes in, which I really, really like. Um, and something like Dethroned Under a Funeral Haze. I mean, that's a rock song, mm. right? That's not a synthwave song at all. That's, I mean, maybe not rock, but some kind of atmospheric post-punk thing. Absolutely. And again, I think the guitars sound great. And again, actually that, that actually might be my favorite song. And yeah, so I can see, you know, I can, he's trying to get out of synth wave. And I think he has. And I think where he's gone into, you could go, well, you know, he helped him create this genre and he's got bored of it and he's left it. And, you know, he's doing something that a lot of other people are doing. But I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not so much of a stylistic leap that it doesn't make sense to me. Mm, mm. It feels quite natural. I don't think it feels like he's gone, oh, you know, I've just heard fucking idols. So no, no, no. Big now. It totally feels natural. He like he's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is the second time mm. I said that today. But you know, um, he, he he hasn't, and he's he's his identity has remained without. But but he has able to change. I th I think the changes are relatively subtle, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um. But but he has managed to change the sound and evolve. I suppose. Um, my secret, my favourite song on the record is Secret Devotion, which I think has massive Depeche Mode vibes, which I like a lot. Um, yeah. But um, I, 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 I enjoy this record. I like it. I enjoy it when it's on. Um, and I enjoy the atmosphere that it creates and the mood that it creates in the room, the way that it changes the molecules in the room. I like all of that. I think 
what I keep coming back to when listening to it is what you were saying earlier. Where do you go with this? Because whilst whilst I enjoy this album when it's on, it doesn't particularly excite me other than that. Like it's kind of like it just it just feels it just I don't know the limit. It just feels limited. And, 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 and I do agree he has made changes to this record, but I'm kind of like, I don't know how you turn that into like writing songs, which I'm like, that song is fucking killer or anything like that. You know, there's a couple of songs on here, which I think are great, but I, 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 I don't think all of the changes work. I think it's, um, I think it, gets a bit languishy towards the end um of the record there's there's two songs at the end uh messalina messalina and god says which are around i mean one's seven minutes 11 the other's eight minutes and four seconds and they don't quite um i don't think they quite earn the amount of time that they take yeah i mean i i do think i mean i said it kind of fizzles out a little bit it does fizzle i think messalina messalina is it, that felt like he that to me felt like he sort of felt like he had to put a quote-unquote banger at mm. the end of the album and then kind of didn't really want to that much and it's not a bad song no i mean again it gets a bit better when it all kind of breaks down but um i think he's done that loads better in the past okay interesting i i I think like this album's 47 odd minutes the first half hour i'm fully in on it i'm like this is wicked i'm well into this i like the atmosphere it's creating i like the way it's making me move this is great it does feel like it runs out of steam for me yeah a little bit i mean it does a little bit i think this this you know like it's i think this is a clearly some kind of conscious effort to do something to to kind of introduce new elements and you say that there's nowhere to go with this well i think he's proven that there are plenty of places that he could go i i i i don't know i well i haven't said there is nowhere to go i, I oh, don't okay. i don't know where you go from here i like like i mean that's not my problem is it but you know i mm. i i don't know i don't know how you still retain that um that identity that he has like he he has made changes to this record, but I don't know how you can make many more changes without losing that identity. You know, there's a certain. Well, he might have to. He might he have might. to because yeah. you know, like he might just have to completely change. You know, to, will he go back to doing kind of full blown synthwave stuff? Because this is almost like you could argue this isn't really a synthwave album at all. It's not a lot that kind of. I I I think the kind of when I think of the whole synthwave movement i do think big bright neon you know kind of flying cars going through tokyo with big neon signs everywhere like that's kind of what you think about and this isn't really that hmm. you know so much i think it's a much grayer record i think this album think still got evokes that stuff it still evokes do vangelis you? to me it still evokes john yeah, vangelis, and... i don't a little bit i mean i i i'm not sure I don't think, but it's not, you know, when you think, when I think of synthwave, it still evokes that, but synthwave is always like, doom, 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 doom. Mm. You know what I mean? It was in, mm. it was a, it, the kind of high energy okay. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of that stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, and obviously not everything in that genre is that, but when I think of synthwave, I do think of that. And certainly the kind of that bright neon quality that 
was like you listen to the uncanny valley and it, it is like and like there's not a lot of that going on in this there's not a lot of that kind of you know um rowdy roddy piper in they live kind of vibe to it maybe all. what i find a little bit worrying is when he shows more restraint which i kind of think is the thing that he needs to do that's when the record starts to lose its momentum for me that I think that's, that's the thing that I'm unsure about. I don't. I don't think it's a bad thing for him to do that because I do think he needs to branch out, and I totally respect his desire to do something different because it does. It does feel really oversaturated now. Like I am a. I like synthwave, but I'm a bit bored of it now. You know, I have to say. Um, but uh, you know, this is the. I, I guess this is the first time he's tried to do it. Maybe. Maybe next time around it'll be much more successful and i certainly don't think it's a bad direction to go in but i don't think he's quite got it yet it feels like it's the latter part of the record which is the really really different stuff to um the previous stuff yeah. and that stuff is not quite there yet it's not a bad start but it's not quite there yeah i i think that this is a good album i mean i'm not yeah, sure if this stuff will ever break into the mainstream like we thought it might have done back in the day and i think the form is fairly limiting i think you've got you've probably got more chance of breaking into the mainstream if you do do a full-blown carpenter brute cartoony version of what this music is and i think mm. that that is quite limiting i think him doing some of the dreamier stuff do it having more kind of dream poppy guitar like you know if he on the next album does decide to go okay well if we can mix sisters of mercy klf and my bloody valentine then but do it all on sort of augmented synths then that's not a terrible idea i would be interested to hear what that would sound like so i think there's definitely a place where he can go that would progress him mm -hmm. away from this genre even further but i think this genre is is gonna have like for something to be synthwave i think it needs to kind of sound like that mm -hmm. and i think there's mm -hmm. enough here that that i would all pretty much go i don't think that's got anything to do with synthwave at all but it's got something to do with things that are already popular so i can understand why sam would say oh you know it feels like he's following a little bit i think he's kind of had to do that yeah 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 i think that's fair enough i mean mm. it's not as big a criticism as it probably sounded um uh, I like Sam loves this record. To, like he, well, he likes it very, very much. Um, so, so it's, it's. I didn't mean it as, as, as sounding like a criticism. But when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, I that that is absolutely how I feel about it. But I've been trying to sort of find my words for it mm. and hadn't been able to up to that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, look, I, I do like this album, and I will probably return to it. Um, I think my my. I've always just liked this stuff and not loved it. And I don't know what needs to happen for me to switch over from liking it to loving it. Um, I was sort of hoping seeing it live would do that. And if anything, it had the opposite effect. I thought it was <laughs> fucking boring, you know. So maybe maybe bringing in a band will help that. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to love it in the way that, you do in the in the way that merlin loves carpenter brew and stuff like that or, or have loved some of this stuff um i don't know what needs to happen 
in order to make that happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe it just won't. Maybe, maybe it will just be something that I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm never going to love it. Um, yeah. As the bigger Perturbator fan out of the two of us, you're happy with this album. You're not disappointed. You're like, what? Where are you? Where's your head at with it? Yeah, I like it. Cool. I mean, I I do. I I I do like it. Definitely. I think um, it's probably not my favorite thing he's done mm -hmm. but i like it um it's definitely got enough other things in it that's made me go well i will probably continue to listen to this cool um but i still i mean i love the uncanny valley that is fucking great and that is much more kind of typically synth wave so you know um but yeah it's it, i think it's really good personally there we go i like it a lot um, i think it's i yeah. think it's cool Okay, good. Well, there you go. Lustful Sacraments by Perturbator is out now. Let's move on to our next album, which comes from Noctule. It's called Wretched Abyss. It's a black metal solo project from Serena Cherry of Svalbard based on the RPG game Skyrim. Uh, each song is based on a story or a part of the game. And I have to confess, I've never played Skyrim before, Renfrey. I do remember it coming out and I remember a lot of people lost their shit over it. <laughs> but um, I've never played it and I know very little about it. So I can't say whether this captures the essence of that game or not. Don't worry, Steve. I've plowed 126 hours into Skyrim, according to my Steam account. Um, wow. Which, I mean, that might sound like a lot, but I mean, some people have plowed thousands of hours into Skyrim. Um, it, it's a great game. And actually, it's a pretty suitable um, aesthetic to base a black metal album around there's lots of frozen uh um large expanses and there's definitely a kind of almost nordic vibe i can see why i think the idea of creating a, a black metal record around the themes of skyrim i mean it makes total sense to me it makes total sense uh i absolutely get it um and yeah i think i think it's a pretty decent idea to say the least hmm. well good um <laughs> i <laughs> i don't i i i, I do, yeah I, I mean i don't know anything about skyrim uh at all to be honest so i, I mean e each song is basically so you've got you know um Winterhold is uh, a song on here and that's one of the like the towns or cities that you come across unrelenting forces something called a dragon shout from the game mm. and stuff like that and there's it's kind of themed in that way um but yes that's sort of the basic very basic premise of the record yeah now obviously this is a sort of side project uh that was created during lockdown i think and i think it should be considered as such with that context around it and you know it sounds like a sort of atmospheric black metal record, which it seems silly to say, but you know, it's, it's quite heavy metal as well. Like it's, it, it, I, I guess, I mean, it's hard for me because like I say, I don't know the game, but in my head, when I think of oh, Dungeons and Dragons, these stuff, I wonder what that looks like. I guess it probably would look like this. So I think this does quite a good job of definitely evoking something like that, even though I don't really know exactly what that looks like very basically imagine lord of the rings but in an icy yeah. expanse rather than you know um new zealand mm. now i mean i it takes quite a lot for me to be super interested in black metal i mean and black metal a kind of power metal black metal rpg 
things. These are all things which I have, I was going to say a minimal interest, but I think even minimal interest <laughs> feels like I'm overselling it quite a lot to be honest. But, um, oh no, I mean, I like, I like some black metal obviously, but yeah, I think this shit's got to be really, really fucking good for me to be super invested in it. Mm. And so I'm not really sure that this is uh, something which has been written with my tastes in mind, mm. if you know what I mean. I, I, I think I would agree. Uh, we we have um, very, you and I have very, very particular tastes when it comes to black metal, I think. I wouldn't, I mean, of course I'm a black metal fan because there are black metal albums that I listen to, but I actually wouldn't name it as a genre that like, I, I don't know, if someone asks what sort of, genres do you listen to black metal would be quite low down the list because mm. there's probably only a dozen or so bands that i regularly listen to who are in that genre and it feels like this is a love letter to a lot of the um fantasy based black metal stuff which doesn't really do it for me so from that perspective it's a little bit of a difficult one to review i mean we're doing this obviously because of um, serena's work in svalbard um mm -hmm. both of which we like very much that last svalbard record is you know objectively their best record i think it's fucking great mm -hmm. um and i think it totally makes sense for her to do something totally different and she's you know this is a, this is a this is a really decent idea and it's very well executed as well serena plays absolutely everything on this record which is incredibly impressive you know um every single note is played by serena on this album as far as i'm aware and that is very very impressive i think the thing that i struggled with it it's is the type of black metal that it's kind of um adhering to and influenced by it's not massively varied or particularly diverse Mm. um and i just prefer a little bit more kind of going on it i mean not to say that there isn't a lot going on i think that there's the trick that is played quite a lot is um big kind of epic power metal-esque guitar lead lines yeah alongside really ferocious vocals serena sounds really ferocious on this album which is almost a little odd really considering she's singing about elven swords rather than i don't know revenge porn or something like that but she almost sounds more ferocious mm. on this than she does on svalbard records but i don't i don't know you know but there's um uh yeah so there's power metal leads those ferocious records that kind of black metal blast beats and stuff and that's all a really interesting cool mix but it sort of repeats that trick over and over again it takes um a good sort of seven or eight minutes before you get anything vaguely different to that. You get a little bit of acoustic guitar and stuff and a little bit of clean vocals. Mm. And it's it's interesting because I, I remember speaking to Serena about this project a long time ago, like it was pre-pandemic, I think. And, and at that point, she was talking about how she wanted to make a solo black metal album with elements of dream pop. And she cited um, Alcest Shelter as an example. And the idea that like that that sounded more interesting to me than what we've got. And there are fleeting moments where you can hear that influence. Um, the end of the title track, there's like these 
really nice layered vocals that come in which have a sort of dream poppy type type vibe mm. midway through death bell harvest uh there's a really yeah. nice side sort of like it it, it <clears throat> takes a while for this record to really get interesting and by the time it becomes interesting it's almost over and i think that's a shame um but but i'm also aware that i'm saying that as someone who isn't particularly a fan of the sort of things that this is evoking i think you know i don't know immortal uh maybe or or, or that i kind of think of that nordic yeah. fantasy uh icy expansive black metal which just generally isn't generally isn't what i kind of go for so and and by the time it does get interesting yeah like i say it's almost over i'm w- one of the best tracks on the record in my opinion is the last song which is instrument and it's totally different to anything else on the record it's uh instrumental uh it's uh, uh become ethereal it's called uh it's a lovely like choral and piano instrumental that ends the album on a very very somber note i was really pleased to hear it when it came in but i also kind of felt like it would have been so much more interesting so much more interesting if elements of this song had been scattered throughout the record rather than it just be tailed on at the end um there's there's one exception there's a song called evanar which i think is got fucking a bit of groove to great. it yeah, yeah yeah i love that that's my favorite it's uh, got some actual kind of yeah. groove metal to it yeah. and it's got a really cool melodic guitar line underneath it yeah and those two things work in tandem very well yes i picked that one up before i like the kind of necro opening to unrelenting force as well i thought that was quite good uh-huh. but overall yes this feels like a, an atmospheric black metal album borrowing from things that i am probably not massively interested in having said that i think this is quite a decent little album i'm sure the context would help a lot of people maybe i mean if you're a fan of this game or if you're super invested in this stuff then i think you might really really like it but it was still enjoyable to my basic ass <laughs> yeah I, I i i like i think i think I, I i certainly think i mean especially when you you consider the themes that are on those svalbard records i think it is totally acceptable and appropriate to do something based around a fantasy genre which has nothing to do with that stuff it's almost like cleansing the palette a little bit you know i think that totally makes sense um for serena to do but at the same time i'm much much more interested in the kind of mix of stuff that svalbard is, are doing i feel like i don't think svalbard are a unique band or anything like that but i do feel like they have an identity uh, enough for mm. me to go oh yeah that's svalbard this could be any number of black metal icy nordic project type things to to to, to my ears um which is fine i like i said i think it is a love letter to that stuff um but obviously when you or me aren't particularly interested in it it's a little bit difficult to be like yeah it's amazing but it is but it is like it's brilliantly put together it's a really um i I mean as i said the fact that she plays everything on it it's really like stunningly well done and put together and if you are into like that sort of immortal thing or I mean, maybe mm. even a little bit of Emperor, I guess. I do listen to a bit of Emperor here and there, but I say, I'd say it's yeah. like my own, the only time that I do go into that kind of thing. It's certainly worth checking out, but at the mm. same time, I, I just, it's, it, it is just what it is, you know? Of course. It is very definitely what it is. 
and nothing else and nothing more uh and nothing less either uh but yeah you know i don't mind this i don't mind this but i mean yeah it's not really it's quite a hard one for us to review i think i was mm. kind of hoping there'd be more uh of those elements that you were talking about and i there's kind of not so oh, i don't know wretched abyss by noctule is out now let's move on to our last release which actually came out last week i should say mannequin pussy perfect it's a 13 minute long five track ep from the philadelphia punks coming off the back of their 2019 epitaph records debut full-length patience which we didn't cover on this show mm. but i have heard that and i think it's pretty fucking good mm. actually so it's good to be able to feature them for the first time on the show I uh, I for you. That as well yes you like it you like mannequin pussy i i really like mannequin pussy I think this is mm. great. And actually, mm. um, what was the album called? Sorry. Uh, Patience. Patience. I like Patience. I think Perfects, this EP, is even better. Um, yeah. uh, interestingly, um, Patience is, what, 10 songs and 23 minutes, 24 minutes? Yeah. Like, it's so quick and like, bang, 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 bang. Um, in a completely different way, and yet I am going to make the comparison anyway, there's, there's a black midi sense to the first album in that, they had some really good ideas, but maybe discarded them too quickly in a weird mm. way. And it was kind of frustrating. I think you talked about that with the Glycera record. You got really annoyed yeah. about the fact that like the ideas were discarded yeah, yeah, yeah. too quickly. And on on um, and I really enjoyed Patience as a record. Um, but at the same time, it's it almost feels like it's ironically titled because it keeps moving on to the next thing like so mm. quickly. It's like if you stuck to that just a little bit longer, that could have actually been really good. This feel um, perfect feels a little bit more uh, restrained doesn't feel like the right word, but they do stick on an idea a little bit longer. Um, and I think it is all the better for it. Um, I, I really like this EP a lot. I think it's a really, really good, good EP. And it's really um, diverse. Every song feels quite different you know to, to to the next one they 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 go from that sort of dreamy almost we did a record by a band called bitch falcon quite recently and it mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of that they had like elements of dream pop in it but then you know a song like the title track or pigs is pigs has like a full-on punk rock kind of um aesthetic which feels really acerbic and really I, I mean the title track it's the shortest song on the album one minute 22 seconds it's fucking brilliant i mean it's yeah. called perfect and i think it pretty much is that that song <laughs> that song um yeah. i mean they ju they jump from kind of sort of rock song to punk song to rock song to punk song to rock song yeah. over the course of that f that five minutes it goes yeah it goes rock punk rock punk rock yeah y yeah 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 and but that's not to say that you know they you know they jump from that style to style and they kind of zing about all over the place and that's cool um they do maybe two maybe two and a half things across the course of the record i think but they do them all pretty fucking well i mean ultimately you get a very 90s riot girl vibe on the kind of dreamy washes of the guitar on the opening song which actually reminded me i mean i mentioned um on control the opening song i mentioned milk teeth to you i don't know if you feel that at all kind of early milk teeth um sort of i mean i mean yes there's a kind of grungy dream poppy vibe um you know female vocals um but i like a milk teeth isn't a terrible um um comparison point but i think there are others which are probably more accurate to be honest 
but but I mean, I I, I would say uh, this is more consistent. This EP, admittedly, it's only fourteen mm. minutes long, but this is more consistent than anything that Milk Teeth ever put out. The, the frustrating thing mm. I found with Milk Teeth, and well, you like Milk Teeth a lot more than I did, but mm. the frustrating thing I found with Milk Teeth is their highs were so fucking high, and then they had a lot of mid-tier material as well i think everything on this is fucking great and you said they do like two two and a half things i think they do three or four things across the the breadth of the season yeah maybe i mean i think you mentioned perfect and that is an 83 second long punk rock banger yeah. but actually pigs is pigs you could say it's another punk rock song it's actually more like a hardcore song it's just under two minutes it's got a vocal from their bassist bear yeah. and that is a that is like the 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 heavy moment yeah. on the on the on the ep um then to lose you is quite an emotive emotive alt rock banger i guess more in the vein of a of a big bang like a foo fighters sort of exactly thing. do you yeah. know what i mean yeah. yeah um and then it ends on another very kind of very dream pop thing so they you know like i yeah i, I really like this i think it's really good I, it kind of evokes for me like i've already mentioned um bitch falcon i think it evoked can't swim a fair bit as well um milk teeth wasn't my immediate go-to i see what you're saying but i think well i just mean that song uh oh what the first song on the record the first song remind i was like oh it sounds a bit like uh, something that could be on a milk Teeth. yeah album. okay yeah, yeah yeah i can see that yeah yeah, yeah. um mm. but um no i, I... And then he reviewed milk teeth's career just for me <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> I think I think well no just just, just I, I I suppose I had that comparison going into my head and uh, go, going mm. into this record and um yeah I just I just I just think everything that they try to do on this EP and it is pretty varied they pull off really well and I think that says a lot like it is really short and it's sharp and like it, you know it does, doesn't I want more uh, I mean, obviously it's an EP, so I can't complain too much. I, I want more mm. from it. But then at the same time, I just think that it pulls off everything that it tries to do really well. And it tries to do a lot. And and it does it all really, really great. I mean, my favourite songs on it are the title track and Darling, the last song, um, which has that sort of dream poppy vibe. I really like... Um, I, I think I think I mean I will say this in terms of the Milk Teeth comparison. I think they pull off the punky stuff much better than Milk Teeth ever did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. They really I mean, certainly do. Pigs is Pigs is super fucking yeah. heavy, hardcore, like proper hardcore. Yeah. Very good. Um yeah, I, I this is this is an excellent way to spend thirteen minutes of your life. Yeah. In fact, I would say it's an ex you listen to it twice, it's an excellent way to spend a half an hour of your life. Agreed. Just under half an hour. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this a lot. And I'd kind of I'd heard the name before um i don't know i think whenever whenever the word pussy's in a band i just think of nashville pussy and just, just immediately going eh, <laughs> i can't be asked mm. uh, which is a stupid Fair. which is stupid of me um mm -hmm. but um but no i i think i think this is awesome i really really like it and and i went back to the debut album as well and i think the debut album is very very good i do think this is better um uh, but that's just encouraging isn't it because the latest Definitely. thing is the better thing um so yeah i i'm really into this i'm gonna we're, this is gonna be a band we're gonna cover in the future definitely i think like this is really really cool yeah it is it is a good bloody record um it comes from mannequin pussy uh it is called perfect and it came out as i said last week so 
you may have already have heard it and that is the end of the show so thanks very much for listening we appreciate that um we will be back next week we're going to be talking about new records from rise against i believe yep boss keloid yep i think are another one that we're doing as well yeah and we'll be doing um, red, fang. red fang as well as the other one I think we might get if we if we get wolf alice obviously yeah We'll do Wolf Alice as well, but we don't know if we're going to get that. We'll try it. All right, lovely. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Go over to our Patreon page. You get a Morbid Angel special, patreon.com forward slash Act podcast coming on Monday. And uh, Stone Roses is going to be the next Riot Ears review, isn't it? The second coming. Oh, when Uh, I can be bothered to listen to it, yeah. I listened to that the other day. Fuck it now. All right, fine. Um, I like Stone Roses as well. And Jesus, that is uh, quite the slog. Anyway, good. See you later. Bye-bye.